Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here with Ryan Beckner as we bring you Talking in Circles, another great episode here. We will review what was the crazy, wild Pocono 400 from the Pocono Raceway in Long Pond, Pennsylvania. Chris Buescher got his first career NASCAR Sprint Cup Series victory in a rain-short event. A big surprise there. We'll talk about the crew chief changes at Richard Childress Racing, some other news they made this weekend as well. Target announced they are leaving Chip Ganassi Racing's Verizon IndyCar team at the end of 2016. What does that mean for Kyle Larson and and Target for 2017 and beyond? Also, we'll give you a Dale Jr. update. Talk about a little bit about Watkins Glen. But first, Ryan, let's dive into it. The Pocono 400, you can't even call it that. The Pocono 350, you can call it. At the Pocono Raceway in Long Pond, Pennsylvania, Chris Buescher won his first career race. And I know there's going to be a lot of fans out there, Ryan, who say, listen, uh, it's not a legit win because he won it rain-shortened. Uh, but let's give these guys some credit. They were able to stay out there, keep their car out of trouble all day long, um, got back in the lead lap. Not the sexiest win, but they all count the same in a rule book, don't they? Hold on one second, Ryan, and, and I have a malfunction on my part here. Um, okay, they all count the same in a rule book, don't they? Very, very true. I mean, hey, a win is a win, regardless of how you get it. You know, the, the front row motorsports team, you know, they work just as hard as any other team, but they got underfunded, you know, equipment. They don't have full-time employees like all the other big teams do. They do, however, have some good talent and some good ownership there with some good sponsors, too. They just need more sponsors to help them along, and I hope this win, even though it is rain short, and, and like you said, it's not going to be the full-fledged credit that, you know, uh, sponsors and fans are going to look for whenever they want to pick a new driver or or anything like that. And and something else you said too that really popped out at me was I've seen quite a few fans on social media that are that are not praising them for their victory, and that that just that kind of stuff just just bugs me. You know, it's just some people just can't accept anything. <laughs> That's just part of part of uh, I guess life these days in America these days. But yeah, biggest thing for the biggest thing for me is it was the craziest race overall. I don't see how anybody couldn't like that race unless maybe you were fans of certain certain drivers that might have gotten wrecked or anything. But what a crazy race and congrats to Chris Busher on that victory, man. Him at Front Row Motorsports, Bob Osborne and you know, even Rouse Racing too, because you know they still they still have him under contract, so that's still big for them as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Oh absolutely and nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero if you want to join the conversation. I mean a great win for Front Row Motorsports. It's their second win ever. Uh, obviously, everybody remembers the dramatic win a few years ago with David Reagan at Talladega. Uh, this one uh, not on a track that I, I think a lot of people coming in there today didn't expect this, obviously. Um, you know, you could expect it more at Talladega when Reagan did because Reagan's a good plate racer. Front Row Motorsports it, it has a great plate program. But this is a, a, a race, a win that nobody really saw coming. Um, and, and, again, you know, you mentioned Bob Osborne. Bob Osborne's a seasoned crew chief. He, he knows what he's doing. And the strategy was perfect. I think a lot of people thought he should pit there towards the end of that race. Then what's he doing? But they stayed out, did everything they need to do. And Osborne deserves a lot of credit there. So does Front Row Motorsports. Um, this is a guy who I think coming into this season, uh, you know, he hadn't won an Xfinity Series championship, but they've had a tough year out there in, in that 34 car this year. They really have. They're not as high in points as I think everybody thought they would be. 
Landon Castle, his teammates, had a really strong year, a much better year than him in a 34. But this is what Chris needed, something to feel good about themselves, something to kind of build momentum on. You know, like I said, he's had a tough year, even got into a little bit of skirmish with Dale Earnhardt Jr. a few weekends ago. That got him a lot of flack on Twitter. Um, but this is something that, to step in the right direction. In the chase right now, as we sit there, 31st in points, they got to be in the top 30. But uh, still a huge win for Chris Buescher in front row motorsports there. Ryan, I just thought a, a great day for that organization. Absolutely. And, you know, the biggest thing for me is, you know, you got, they have all this talent over there with Landon Castle, who I still think is the, is the one driver in the Cup Series right now that should already have a full-time ride with a big organization. You know, I, just, I still can't believe somebody has yet to pick him up or even a sponsor pick him up. You know, it still bothers me, especially with, with how healthy and fit he is. He, there's so many sponsors out there. You know, I'm just going to throw Nature's Bakery out there. I mean, they're, they're with Danica. And they're, there's a reason why they're with her, because she, she's really healthy and fit, and it really fits her really well in the image and what they want to do. There's so many, you know, healthy sponsors out there that could go with them. I mean, you could even look at uh, Advocare. You know, they're, the reason they're still with, with Trevor is because he's the perfect image for them. You know, he, he's, a good, he's a good Christian man. He's really healthy and fit. Well, I mean, Landon mm-hmm. Castle is almost is, is just like him almost. He does a whole lot for fans on Twitter and everything. There really is no reason why he doesn't have any full-time sponsors over there. And then you have Chris Pusher on the 34 car. He has loans, which I believe is for 18 races, but they were already there with David Gillian, and they've been using Chris Pusher really well. I've, I've noticed on Twitter and driver appearances, you know, he's been doing a lot of autograph signings for them. You know, and that's a good thing to help get the image out there for Front Row Motorsports, Chris Pusher, you know, Landon Castle, and Loves in general. And that helps all of them out. This win right here is going to be huge for that, especially since it's going to be all over the news. We're going to hear about this for about two weeks, and, if I'm not mistaken, he's only six points out of the of the 30th place in points, so he very well could make the chase if he has a little luck on his side. Absolutely, and that's something we're gonna, definitely going to touch on in a little bit about what he does to the chase, just what he does, and, and whether or not you think he has a shot at the championship, we'll touch on that in a little bit. But another guy I want to give a call out to who had a great day was Regan Smith. This is a guy who was in a similar strategy as Chris Buescher. They stayed out, tried to play the rain game, you can call it, ended up finishing in the third spot. He just got nicked. About a lap before, maybe even half a, a half a lap before, the caution came out for second uh, by Brad Keselowski. But Regan Smith finishing third. And like I said, a similar strategy. This is a team very much like Front Row Motorsports. Doesn't have a whole lot of funding. Doesn't have a whole lot of, of technical support over there at Tommy Baldwin Racing and, and Regan Smith. So to come out and finish third, it's a solid day for them. And if you looked, there's blank corner panels on that car today. So maybe this can get them some recognition like it did for Matt Benedetto when he won and when he finished sixth at Bristol. Maybe this can get them some recognition here and move forward uh, and get them some sponsorship. Another great day for, for Regan Smith, uh, Ryan. Yeah, very good call on Regan there, him and Tommy Baldwin. If I'm not mistaken, Tommy Baldwin is still the crew chief on that team. He still, he still does all of that besides owning. So, I mean, he, still, he has a full-time job over there running that team. And that team, like you said, my front run motorsports, they started out with, with nothing and have slowly become not necessarily a top 25 team, but it's, they're there every week. They make the race every week. They're getting, they're getting more and more sponsors as, as their years go on. And the big one for them is, is Nico. You know, that's a really big one for them. That's going to get them a lot of recognition. And I always felt though, even though I felt extremely bad for Alex Bowman, that's the, I still feel really bad that he, he kind of got out of that seven ride. You know, that's a story, you know, that's already been talked about before, but, and that Regan Smith guy. But Regan Smith is also a seasoned veteran. He's been several years in the Xfinity Series competing for championships for junior motorsports. And then before that, he was with, he was with Furniture Racing before Kurt Busch came over and got them that dramatic win over Carl Edwards in the 
Southern 500. Darlington. I mean, Regan is yeah, no slouch either, though. He doesn't get the same credit that, you know, other drivers, you know, deserve. He deserves a lot more than what than what he gets. But, you know, he still does the best he can, and so does Tommy Baller racing. And it's really good to see them, just like the Front Row Motorsports team, getting talked about at a track that is not a play track. That's that's the biggest thing that I really take from the whole experience there. And like the Matt D. Benedetto situation, you know, he's going to win over more fans on Twitter and, and, and more sponsors and everything. It, it, it's a good deal for all of those underfunded teams. At a place like Pocono, out of all places. You're right on that. 917-889-8280 is the number. If you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles, Clayton Caldwell and Ryan Beckner here tonight bringing you Talking in Circles. But you're right. I mean, this was a race I don't think a lot of people saw uh, a ton of, of, you know, surprises early on. And it, it, it got that way. You know, we'll give a quick rundown here quick. Uh, Brad Kozlowski finished second. He was on a different strategy as well. I thought his car was very fast. But the, I think the three fastest cars of the day – was Kevin Harvick in fourth, uh, Kyle Larson, who led 37 laps in sixth, and believe it or not, I'm going to give it to Austin Dillon in third. And I know he finished 13th, had a rough pit stop at the end, kind of got off sequence, and he finished 13th. But I thought all RCR cars today uh, had a lot of speed this whole weekend. I know Newman finished 12th, but that was not uh, didn't really support where he ran all day long. Newman was up in the top 10 all day. So was Dillon. Menard had some issues, so he finished way back. But we saw him quick in practice this weekend as well. So a very good weekend for RCR. But, uh, you know, Harvick ran strong. And just another weekend where Harvick just couldn't carry. You know, track position was was a big thing. But I, I tell you, the guy I was really impressed with, the most impressed with what was Kyle Larson. I thought he could pass through the field. At times when other people were getting beat on restarts, he was able to outrun Kyle Busch on a couple of restarts. So he did a, he did a very good job tonight or today at Pocono. Uh, really finished, you know, putting himself in position to win a race. And, again, if if that race runs 20 more laps, uh, Larson might see himself in the top five and even in the top three there. But, obviously, the race was range-shortened, uh, so he finishes sixth. But a very good day for Larson as well. That's a huge day for, for Larson, especially since, you know, everybody thought he would have already had a, had a win by now. You know, and then you go into this year here, I thought he was going to be a lot stronger. So did other people. His year has, has not been very well. He's just had a kind of had up and down year. He's had some good runs, and he's had some bad runs, some terrible luck, obviously, been part of that. And then you come to a place like Pokemon where he did win a range-shortened race there in the Xfinity Series earlier this year, and people did have him on, on their radar as a good dark horse. And I, I'm ashamed to admit that he was not on my radar for a dark horse pick. I, I picked all the people on that for my dark horse picks, and those people didn't even come anywhere near the front. <laughs> and, and Chris Bush was not one of them either. But uh, that's a big run for him, and like you mentioned, RCR as well. Newman was up there in the top five for a good chunk of the day, and Paul Menard had a really good car, too, if it wasn't for a transmission issue that, that he had. RCR as a whole, they came prepared this weekend for Pocono, and that's a good thing for that organization, too, because they're still in the rebuilding stages like Ralph Fenway Racing is. They still have a little ways right. to go to catch up to some of the other teams, and with Stuart Haas Racing going to Ford next year, I expect Childers to be to take over that spot You know that, that uh, yeah. Stuart Haas currently holds right now with the Chevy uh, help. And, of course, that's still going to help teams like uh, Jermaine Racing with Casey Mears and Geico, and that's going to help the JTG Daltrey team with A.J. Almadinger and all of their great sponsors that they have. I think all of them are going to be a lot stronger next year, especially with that. Yeah, the Ganassi teams, too, you know. And then Target, you know, they have, right. they're, you know, they're having some issues, too. Yeah, there's a lot of next men up there at Chevrolet, no doubt about it, because of the fact that Stuart Haas Racing is leaving, but... You know, as surprising as it was to see Chris Buescher win, and as good as that felt, there was a lot of surprising as far as a lot of surprises today as far as people who um, didn't run as good as I think everybody thought they were. Chase Elliott had a tough day today. 
Um, he was running up in the top ten all day long, got on the, on the inside of Joey Logano, got a little loose, came up, hit Logano's car, uh, and, and caused an accident there, taking out him and Logano from any chance of a win. Logano thir- finished 37th. Chase was 33rd. Uh, you had Martin Truex Jr., who wrecked three times. He was dominant, you know, before the oh, yeah. caution. He was dominant. And, uh, you know, it looked like he was going to run away with the, with the thing, and everybody was like, oh, boy, this is going to be kind of a, a rough day for everybody because everybody's going to be chasing tricks. Got back on a on a pit stop. They knocked the valve stem off the tire, blew right front tire, hit the outside wall. His day was pretty much done. Eric Amarola had a really curious incident as well where he came up, uh, and it looked like he just didn't see Jeb Burton. Uh, came up and he hit the outside wall. It's been a tough year for Richard Petty Motorsports. Uh, Amarola State, tough year continued this weekend. Uh, and also, it, just a, a wild day for Jeff Gordon. I mean, Jeff was up in the top 10 in that 88 car, substituting for Dale Earnhardt Jr. this weekend, a track where he's had a lot of success at, really was doing well, and then all of a sudden had belts pop off during the race uh, that really, where he had to slow down to to, to fix them and lost a lot of positions, could never gain that track position back, and he finished in the 27th spot. So it was a wild day for a lot of the big-name drivers, Ryan, at Pocono Raceway. Absolutely, and don't forget about Jimmy Johnson there, too. He had that speed pony, I believe it was, early on in the race, and he never really seemed to recover from that. You know, the, the cautions and rain and everything was against him and his progress trying to make it back up because they were on their own strategy there, and it, it didn't work out for them. But, yeah, I mean, like Jeff Gordon, I mean, when was the last time you heard a driver on the radio say their belts came loose? You know, I can't even I can't even think of a time when I heard of that. I've heard many things that these drivers say on the radio, but that's not one that I've heard in recent years. So that was huge whenever I, I first heard that. I couldn't believe it. And it, it cost him on the restart, and he was never able to recover due to the rain, unfortunately. And he mentioned other drivers, too. I'm a roller. That, that was a weird in- incident there. The few camera views you got to see, it was like you said. It looked like he didn't even see Jeb Burton there. He just kept on coming up. And when he did, it was just too late. They connected there, and it destroyed the whole right front of Amarillo's car, and he went to the garage, and he was done for the day. I feel really bad for Jeb Burton in that case, too, because, you know, here's another young guy who was once a member of NASCAR Next and once had a good full-time ride until sponsorship issues and then team issues behind the scenes caused him to unfortunately lose the ride and never had a guaranteed spot from there. He's just been kind of bouncing around from team to team. You know, he, you yeah. know he's a guy that has some, some sponsorship with Estes and, and Rocky Boots and several others that – have gone with him over to Petty over to Petty Motorsport before that team folded, and then also he, he's with the Bianchi brothers, and hopefully he does have some more uh, rides with them. And I would like to see him get in, you know some more cup rides with Go Fast Racing. But you know Go Fast Racing also uses a multitude of drivers all year long, depending on what racetrack they're at. And then on top of that, you have a bunch of other drivers like you mentioned that had issues all day long. Truex, that was his Coke 600 car. Everybody knows what he did in the Coke 600. He pretty much led them almost every lap there in dominating mm-hmm. fashion. And here he was, bringing the same yeah. car, got the pole. You know, he led all the practices. This guy was looking really good. And then has that unfortunate yeah. incident there. That's, that's been the, the whole thing with Truex's year, is a lot of unfortunate incidents, but also some that were just out of his head. And he had the incident at Dover yeah. where he's behind Jimmy Johnson when he had transmission issues. You know, he had uh, he had a, quite a few speed penalties and loose wheels over the years. It's It's been a pretty rough year overall for him, despite the fact that they should have won almost seven races this year already. They really have. I mean, they've been really, really fast. It's been, uh, you know, a team that's snake-bitten. And today, I mean, it's not going to hurt them as far as championship is concerned because they're pretty much locked into the chase. But, you know, it just seems like they're snake-bitten everywhere they go. And uh, it was a 
another example of that today where, you know, a valve stem was knocked off during a pit stop. I mean, you just can't predict that stuff going on. So, uh, you know, that caused him an accident there for him, and that was a tough day. But, you know, you mentioned Jeb Burton. Jeb's a guy who um, had a really, really, really – he's had a tough year this year because of losing, like I said, the ride at Richard Petty Motorsports. Um, and, you know, he's still a develop, development driver there. So that Amarola deal was kind of double bad because it was – not only Richard Petty Motorsports losing one of their teams in their cars, but Jeb Burton, one of their drivers who they're trying to learn and get some experience for Pocono, his day was virtually over too because of the accident. So uh, it was a tough day overall for Richard Petty Motorsports and what's been a really, really tough year for that team uh, in 2016. Okay, um, it was a big day for Chris Buescher, and uh, we can go on all day, Ryan, about how great that win was. Um, and thing that you know, when we talk about David Reagan's win at Talladega in 2013, it was huge for that team. Uh, we saw Bob Jenkins, the owner, going crazy when he was when they won at Talladega. Um, this one, though, has a little bit more to it because of the fact that they could get into chase because of this one. Back when Reagan won, they didn't have this format where a win basically got you in if you finished in the top 30 in points. Right now, Busher, if he finishes in the top 30 in points, will uh, – get into the chase. Now, you mentioned earlier as far as what his season has gone and how far how far back he is from 30th in points. He's sixth back right now of David Reagan for 30th in points. So uh, it's very doable to get to 30th in points. And then it's his teammates next with Landon Castle, but a very doable thing for, for Chris Buescher. And I have to wonder, Ryan, how much Roush Fenway is going to be put into that car here extra to get him into the chase and to get that team into the chase because the Roush Fenway right now is not represented in the chase. It's going to be hard for them to get in unless they win. Uh, but if Chris, Bush, you know, if Chris Buescher gets in, you can kind of call it a win for Roush Fenway because one of your young kids gets into the chase. So I have to wonder how much Roush Fenway is going to put into that team moving forward. But definitely a doable feat here, don't you think, for Chris Buescher getting into the chase? Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because I've seen several people on social media and in Facebook groups related to NASCAR talking about what would happen if he got into the chase. You know, there's so many scenarios, like you said, we can go over and over with all the different scenarios and things that can happen. But the big thing that you brought up that really gets my attention is how much how much more help is Ross going to give to that team? Because in case people don't know, Front Run Motorsports is getting technical support all year from Ralph Racing. And in my personal opinion, it's actually helped, it's actually helped them out a lot. But, you know, sometimes the finishes aren't there. You know, they might finish top 25, and people will say that's no different than what they were doing before. But the reality is that there's been they brought in, uh, you know, extra drivers. I'm not sure if Landon Castle would have went over there had, had Roush not helped out with the support. So I got to think that Roush is going to try to help him in any way possible when it comes to sponsors, when it comes to people from his Xfinity teams, maybe even people from his Cup teams. They've already given him Bob Osborne yeah. for the season, and like you said, Bob Osborne is a season veteran. He has, he has a lot of wins with Carl Edwards over the years whenever they were together. You know, he, he's a proven win and a proven crew chief, though. But you can only do so much when you have an underfunded team, an under-equipment team. Yeah, absolutely. And with, with, with this case right here, Trevor Bain is the closest one to make it in on points for the Ralph organization. Biffle is not too far behind him, but still, you know, needs a little bit of help and look. And, and a win, of course, would also guarantee him. The Stenhouse is also right there. And, and overall, the Roush organization, Stenhouse has proven to be the best one so far this year. Trevor has started to come along. He's had some really good runs. He actually didn't run too bad today, but had some issues with, with the handling of the race car. And Biffle was on a whole other strategy. He very well could have been the winner, too, had his strategy worked out. 
Yeah, and then on top sure. of that, they get Chris Buescher in there, you know, that development driver for them, and he's all alone over to Front Row Motorsports with the technical help and sister organization that, that seems to be the, the new trend in NASCAR. So I got to think that there's going to be a ton of help that Jack is going to try to give, you know, Front Row and Chris, and let's hope it, do, it doesn't send out the other Roush drivers or Landon Castle and put them on the lease side when it comes to help. But there's, I, I see yeah, him I, giving them a ton of help. He might even give uh, Chris some extra expensive races. Yeah, you never know. I mean, it is... It, it should be interesting. I know I think he's running that car uh, once somewhere down the line here coming up. But 917-889-8280, if you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles. Uh, it, it is interesting what Busher's win's going to do as far as the chase is concerned because right now when you look at it, uh, the only driver who would get into the chase via the win right now if the, if the chase ended started today would be Tony Stewart. Uh, everybody else that is – one through 15 would get into the point standings, meaning Casey Kane in 16th would not get in because Tony Stewart kind of knock him out because he's got the win. Like I said, Busher six points out. He can move up. So that means you take another driver out of the points, and that would be Kyle Larson. Now, Larson, you sit there and you look at it and you say, he's 15th in the point standings. He is nine points back of his teammate, Jamie McMurray, who is 16 points back of Chase Elliott, who's had a real – Chase Elliott's really ta- had a tailspin here the last two months. He was way in in points, but a couple of more wrecks for that team moving forward here in these last five races going to the chase. It could be a tough, tough time for Chase Elliott to get into the chase, and who would have thought of that moving forward? But it definitely makes Chase Elliott, Jim McMurray, Kyle Larson, and Casey Kane a little bit more nervous here that Chris Buescher won this race. Somebody who wasn't expected to win, uh, hasn't been really in a conversation as far as the chase is concerned, now putting himself in that chase conversation. Yeah, the one thing that I want to throw out there, too, is I've seen a lot of people, and I know for a fact that there's people that think this right now, that Chris Buescher is going to be a wasteful chase by. I can understand where they're coming from with that. You know, I mean, to expect that team to win another race or even win a championship, obviously, is way far-fetched to even imagine compared to the other top-dollar teams. We, we're all smart enough to know that. But we also got to give them credit. Even though they're in the chase, they might fall out the first round. That's probably more than likely what will happen. But let's not forget, man, these, the way these races can play out, they can move they can move on and surprise everybody. You really just never know. It reminds me of the A.J. Allmendinger situation when he won walking to school. And everybody was thinking the same thing. They're like, well, he, he's not going to run really well in the chase. And, and, and unfortunately, he didn't. He fell out the first round. But you know... Mm-hmm. At least they made it in there, and they got the recognition. They got to go up on stage at wristband and get their pictures taken. They got to go to all, all of the meetings that they had, all the driver appearances. People knew he was in the chase, and they got the name and team out there. That's what it's all about. But I would personally like to see Chris Bush and the front row motorsports team make it just so they can do that. He's a young kid. You know, he still has plenty of years left he can race. For him to be that young and have underfunded equipment and possibly get into the chase, that's huge right there. But then if you're Jimmy McMurray, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, you know, Trevor Bain, all of them guys that are around the chase bubble there, Austin Dillon, those guys are going to be wondering, I'm in better equipment, and I got better team, but here I am out on the outside looking in for this chase. You know, could you imagine the drive that's going to give those teams? Those teams are going to be, mm-hmm. especially Kyle Larson, though, because he has been so close to winning. And I saw I saw a tweet he said last week, you know, he's just like, like he has no luck at all. And I'm just like, man, that's just, I feel bad for the kid. You know, it's, it's when it's coming, but the fact that he could still be outside looking in. It's a, it's a big, you know, that's a big deal for him and all his fans and Jim Canasty races. The biggest one you missed was it Chase is. Elliott. You know, he's had a ton of bad luck recently. You know, wreck at Kentucky, and we have Watkins Glen and Bristol coming up. Those are two racetracks that he could easily wreck at and not be his fault. 
a very good point. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And because Glenn's a track where we've seen him win on the on the road course up in Canada, I believe it was in the Truck Series, but it, he's never run a Cup Series race at Watkins Glen. And road courses are not what we normally do. So, yeah, absolutely, that's a, a place where he could find some trouble. Uh, not even expecting it, you know, somebody spins in front of you in the S's or something like that, uh, or in the chicane there, it could be a, a disastrous day for, for Chase Elliott. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting couple of weeks for that 2014. Um, but, you know, Chris Buescher, like I said, you know, what that does for this team before, before we wrap this up here, it gets them sponsorship recognition. It gets, you know, loves, if he gets in this chase, it gets loves some big-time sponsorship recognition. It gives Chris Buescher a name. And it helps, you know, as far as Rosh Fenway is concerned, you know, you I think everybody expects Bush to kind of step into the 16 when Greg Biffle gets out of his contract after the 2017 season. So people will go chase Chris Busher. Oh, he made the chase a couple of years ago, didn't he? That was the guy who won at Pocono. So it just kind of gives him some, some recognition and sponsorship, saying, hey, he can win on this level, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's never never bad to have an exposure and that's what that does to that 34 team and for Chris Busher. So a huge, huge win for Front Row Motorsports, huge win for Chris Busher, uh, a big win for Rash Fenway as well here at Pocono Raceway this afternoon, and congratulations to that organization. Uh, Ryan, you know, there was other news this weekend, and, and it started, the week started with some interesting news out of Richard Childress Racing, and even during the weekend they had a little bit more news. Well, let's start with the first tidbit of news from Richard Childress Racing. The number 27 Chevrolet of Paul Menard had a crew chief change. Justin Alexander was replaced by Danny Stockman. Stockman was the crew chief for the number two NASCAR Xfinity Series team for Richard Childress Racing. That team will now be under the lead of Gil Martin. Um, Alexander and and Menard really haven't, we haven't seen them run nearly as well this year as they did last year. Doesn't look like Menard's going to make the chase here in 2016. Um, they, they seem to have some speed this week in that Pocono, so that's a good thing here. But what were your thoughts on a crew chief change for Justin Alexander uh, being replaced by Denny Stockman over there at Menard at 27 car? Well, I never want to see you know even uh, a young or a rookie crew chief per se. He's not a rookie crew chief in this case, but I never want to see a, a crew chief ever get replaced because you know a lot of the times you know people blame the driver for not being able to drive the car, but then you got a lot of people who blame the crew chief for the car not being set up right. Well, yeah, most of the time it's not that at all. It's just the driver and crew chief have to spend time together and have to understand how they like their race car. If a driver prefers their cars to be tight, you got to make sure you set the car up to be tight, and it's kind of adjust from there. If the driver likes their car loose, set the car up for being loose and, and make it go from there. You know, Paul Menard, with with the sponsorship of his, uh, his dad's company, with, with the Menard sponsorship there, you know, he can go anywhere he wants to. So as long as Richard Childress can get him the people he needs to get him to be more competitive and get back in victory lane, then, you know, obviously he'll stay there. And in my personal opinion, I'm a big fan of Danny Stockton. Yeah, he, he has won quite a few races in the Xfinity Series. And if I'm not mistaken, he was the Truck Series and Xfinity Series crew chief when Austin Dillon won both of those championships. So yep. that's, that, that, that's a huge deal for him right here to now be in the Cup Series, though. He should have already been there a long time ago, in my opinion. But I'll, and, and then going to the Xfinity Series team with Gil Martin, that's a seasoned veteran there, just like Bob Osborne. He's had quite a few, a few wins with Kevin Harvick and I believe with Jeff Burton as well. Whenever they were over at RCR, he's a season veteran. That number two Xfinity Series team is actually running pretty good. You know, they they still can't yeah. beat Kyle Busch in the Xfinity Series, but that's that, that, that's everybody else out there too. They're not alone on that. But they're actually running a lot better than what most of the other teams are. So I personally don't think the number two Xfinity Series team of RCR is going to really be affected by this change too much. Same thing, it might make it better with a season veteran. But with Paul Menard, yeah, I, 
I do expect this team to be a lot better than what he has been running with the addition of Danny Stockman. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think when you look at it, you have to kind of take into consideration. You talked about Menards. This is this is a guy who, you know, Paul's not going to go. Paul's not going anywhere. If the sponsor is not going anywhere, neither is Paul. Um, so they are going to try and maximize the way they run. And obviously, and, and and understandably, they were not happy with how they've been running this year. They made the chase a year ago. They they it looked like everything was going well. And, and if you remember when they. Uh, made the chase. They they replaced Slugger Labby on that team and brought in Justin Alexander, and it looked like uh, it was it was going to be a kind of a smooth transition. But we haven't really seen Paul run as good as he did under Slugger Labby. Now Slugger Labby is the crew chief over there at the three car with Austin Dillon. So you have to wonder if the sponsorship kind of came in and said, "Hey, listen, you know, we're not running nearly as good as we want to be. Um, you know, let's try something different here and see if we can't improve ourselves." Uh, for this season because we're not running nearly as good as we as we think we can. Um, so I think that had a lot to do with it. And I also think this, and I thought about this for Richard Childress in a, a while. You have to consider this. They haven't won a race since 2013, and that was a team who last year lent their engines and chassis to Furniture Row Racing, and Furniture Row Racing made a chase and had a really, really good year. And, right, and Richard Childress, we haven't seen Richard Childress run as good as Furniture Racing did in a long, long time. So you, they know their stuff is good, at least pretty close to where they need to get it. But now they have to make some, some internal changes to get Richard Childress Racing to, or maybe crew chiefs that they have, they need to look at a little bit harder. So uh, Danny Stockman moves in, and like you said, he's got a lot of experience in the truck series, a lot of experience in the Xfinity series. He's a younger guy. Maybe he's got a little bit more of an engineer background. And he's got right now, this is an audition for him, these next uh, you know, 14, 15 races here. It's an audition for him to go out there and say, you know what, let's see if this 27 car turns around their season here a little bit. And if he does, you know, he's got a job for 2017 and, and probably beyond here. But a lot to take in for Richard Childress Racing, Ryan, um, with that change. And you touched on a lot of good points. I think uh, absolutely that, that the two Xfinity Series team um, will not, um, you know, they won't see an effect as well because, Martin's a veteran. I like Gil Martin a lot. I thought he kind of lost his job prematurely there at Richard Childress Racing. Uh, I really like what he brings to the table as well. One quick question before we move on to the other news topic um, for uh, Richard Childress Racing. Uh, this was the first big-time team to make a crew chief change. We saw a crew chief change a week or two earlier with uh, Jay Guy being promoted over there at the 46 team, and they moved in Mike Mark. Uh, Hillman there, Mike Hillman, excuse me, over there at the 46 team. But this was the first big time team we seen make a crew chief change in 2016. Ryan, do you see anybody else maybe trying to figure out, maybe piecing something together, trying to trying to maybe better their season by making a crew chief change? Uh, and if so, who? The first teams that I look at, I look at, I look at Ralph Race and I look at Joe Gibbs Racing. And the reason why is obviously if Roush can move around some of their crew chiefs, you know they'll definitely be a lot better. They got some decent help over over there now for sure, especially when you got uh, over there working with Greg Biffle. You know he's got Brian Patty, he's a seasoned veteran there. He's a, he's a guy that should have been a full time crew chief long before he even got the job to, to do that. He was doing Nemechek racing at Nemco for years and doing part time, and he was happy doing that though. So he never moved himself up. Browns could always use the help. They've moved around a ton of people back at the shop and engineers and hired new people, too, and bringing in more people as well. And here they are still looking on the outside looking into the chase and with their sponsors and drivers. They could use a little bit of help, so I think they should continue to look around and change it around the cruises. 
But I do like the combination of Brian Patty and Greg Biffle. I think this is the best that Greg had really had in a long time. When he had Matt Pusick, you know, he, they just didn't click really well. They had that one good year, and that was really it. You know, kind of like the Justin alexander Paul Menard deal. They had that one good year, future looked bright, and then it never ended up that way. Greg hasn't been to Richie Lane since 2013 either. So they right. can they can definitely use a little bit of help over there. And then the reason why I bring up Gibbs is because you know, everybody's like, why would you bring up Joe Gibbs' races? They're doing so well. Well, three of the four teams are doing well. The one team that's not is Danny Hamlin. He's got that rookie crew yeah. over there, and it's not working out for him. It's, it's obvious. And I, I really do feel for Danny in that case because I feel like I'm not going to say he got he got you know shafted a little bit over there, but you know he, he him and. Uh, he, him and his crew chief that he had before that, they were doing extremely well together. And then he gets moved over to Carl Edwards' team. And he, they right. left Jason Rockcliffe there, and they promoted Adam Stevens, you know? Yeah. I, and then I, he got Danny Hamlin. He's the only one who's struggling. And that 500 win is a bright spot in this season. It's, it's almost like he said, he said, we're just going to run decent and just finish races, and then when the chase starts, we'll, we'll kick it into high gear. But I think he needs a new crew yeah. or at least something to do over there. You're right on Hamlin. Hamlin struggled this year. I mean, he's got the Daytona 500 win, and that's been a benefit to him. You know, he sits ninth in points right now, and you look at it and you say, well, it hasn't been a horrible year for that team. they got 10 top 10 finishes, but they haven't really need, we haven't really seen the speed from that 11 team that we've seen from even the 20 at times, the 19 we've seen at times, and, of course, the 18 we see in the, in the 78 of Martin Truex Jr., you know. And Hamilton, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. they've kind of had a kind of a, a tough year there. Uh, Mike Wheeler is crew chief, but I, I don't know about that one because I think – you know, Hamlin's had, I think, three crew chiefs in four years over there on 11, that 11 team, if you include Darian Grubb when they had him there. So, um, you know, that's a lot of change over there. And, and to me, I like the, the, the continuity between crew chiefs trying to feel it out there. But uh, it has been kind of an interesting year as far as Hamlin looking at it. You say he hasn't nearly run as good as his teammates or um, even even Martin Truex Jr. But a, a couple of teams I look at, that haven't had the year. The only reason why I say these two is because they haven't had the years I think everybody expects them to. And one is uh, Casey Kane. I think Keith Rodden might be on the hot seat a little bit there because when you look at that, you say, you know, he's 16th in points. You know, if he don't win a race, it's going to be hard for him to make the chase this year. I think they get a little bit of a pass because Hendrick Motorsports isn't really where they need to be right now. Uh, it's obvious they're, they're really scuffling here these last 10 to 15 weeks. So that could be, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a change there, but I don't know if we're going to. And another another team, and a guy I really like, and I, I really think he's a great crew chief, but they just haven't performed the way I expected them to, and that's uh, Booty Barkley in that 28th, and that's uh, number 13 team with Casey Mears. They said 28th in points right now. They got RCR equipment and chassis, and when you look at uh, where A.J. Allmendinger, who's a similar team to where they are, they're 21st in points which is way better than where Mears is. So they've had a little bit of a down year. They've had a lot of bad luck over there. But those are two guys I think I look at and say, you know, I wouldn't be stunned to see it changed over there, Ryan. You know, you bring up some good points there. But the one I definitely want to start with on that is Casey Kane. I mean, I like Keith Rodden, though. I, I really don't think that he should have ever let Jamie McMurray stay. He was, he was having a pretty good year over there. But the biggest thing with Casey Kane is, is like you mentioned, Hendrick Motorsports is in a huge struggle right now. Look at the past couple of weeks. He's been the best team of the four. Now, obviously, you know Chase Elliott has wrecked a couple of those, and Jeff Gordon's now driving the '88 car for the time being because Junior's not there. And then Jimmy Johnson, they, they keep having some, eh, they keep having some riding luck, but they've also had some some mediocre runs too. They've not really been where they need to be either. So when you look at all of that, though, I like what you said about him getting a pass. Though I wouldn't pass judgment on them already and want to and want to move him around just for that very reason. But one thing I'll throw out there is. 
if, if there's any stats or history that proves this vote for Casey Kane, it's that he needs Kenny Francis. That's the one guy that he's always been comfortable with, minus Tommy Baldwin when he first started. Him and Kenny Francis, you know, even though the last year that they were together was not a very good year for him, they barely squeaked to the chase. I didn't, I didn't feel like the change needed to be done because they have their really good years, then they might have mediocre years. But that's just the one crew chief that Casey Kane has always been with. And they yeah, were really and, well a, I, and I really I, think he needs to go back over there. I agree. I think that was a premature change over there, Rich, at Hendrick Motorsports. And that's a, a surprise to them because they don't do that much. Very rarely will you see me criticize a move over there by Hendrick Motorsports, but I thought that was a premature move. Like you said, he's had a lot of success with with um, with Kenny Francis there, and I was kind of surprised to see Keith Rodden. I think they kind of thought Keith Rodden was the reason why he was running good. It's just, you know, sometimes things don't work out, and I thought maybe one year of, of struggles was kind of a, a premature move there for for Kenny Francis getting out of that five team. So uh, a good call on that one as well. Um, and there, he's still in Hendrick Motorsports, so it might be a seamless, a seamless move to move him in to that team if he wants to move back there. Uh, other Richard Childress racing news as we move forward on, on the show is Ty Dillon. Ty Dillon made headlines this week by saying he expects to be in a Sprint Cup Series car in 2017, which was interesting because uh, there was talk he was gonna, they were going to try and find one for him last year in 2016, uh, this year, excuse me, and that just didn't work out, and he ran his third year in the Xfinity Series this year for Richard Childress Racing. Now it looks like he's going to be in a Sprint Cup Series car. I think it's going to be a team that's affiliated with Richard Childress Racing. Uh, but where do you think uh, Ty Dillon goes, and what are your thoughts on him moving to the Cup Series in 2017? That's a tough one there because there's several places he can go. Obviously, the obvious choice is go to a fourth team over there. But you know that that's not that's not just that easy. You've got to have the, spon- the sponsorship backing. And with the fact that Five Hour Energy is now is potentially leaving and going and going to Furniture Rover Racing with Barry Jones as a second team, you know that that's not been one hundred percent proven yet. So I don't want to go into any details on that just yet. But with that happening right there, that that opens up the fourteen car that Clint Boyer is going to. And I was always under the impression that I remember reading an article that Bass Pro Shops was not going to stay on the fourteen car that they were looking at going with uh, splitting their year with Austin and Ty Dillon in the Cup Series. And I'm thinking, like, well, you know, I hate to see that for Clint, but I wouldn't be surprised because Johnny Morris has been longtime friends with the Dillon boys and Richard Childress for years. So it wouldn't shock him, but at the same time, he's also a really good friend with Tony Stewart. That's why he went over there with him. So with all of that being said, maybe he is staying with the 14 team after all. With, you know, all of that going around, then it's like, where who will who will go to sponsor Ty Dillon at the fourth team at RCR? That's remaining to be seen. But you also have the 95 team you know, that, that mm-hmm. now works off the Richard Childress race. You know, the family of main racing, they do a really good job with the help of Circle Sport over there. They've done a really they've had a really good year ever since they switched over and got alliance with them. I hate to see Michael McDowell, you know, get the short end of the stick, right. but I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if Ty Dillon gets that ride full time with a multitude of sponsors from everybody that Family Levain has to people that are starting to bring in. And then the last one I wanna yeah. touch on there is I've always been a I've always liked Ty better than Austin. I don't really know why. It wasn't because of attitudes. Just I just felt Ty was the better driver. Some people feel differently, you know. But uh, w- the reason why I bring that up is it seems like Ty is almost in that situation now where he's stuck. He either stays where he's at and waits to go to Cup with for, with his grandfather, which is a guaranteed right if they can make it work, or he or he takes one of the offers and leaves. Richard Childress has already said he's already gotten offers for Ty Dillon from other teams. Could he could he potentially leave? I would not be surprised at all. There will be a lot of people that you'll see on social media that like, I did not see this coming. Well, I did. I yeah. usually see him leaving. He, like I said, he's stuck. 
he has nowhere to go right now. He doesn't necessarily have those partners to go with him. I'm not saying he doesn't have anything in his back pocket per se, but you know he would have he would already be in cup now if he had those partners willing to back him for 100. percent And you, yeah. the fact that he's not it, there, uh, there's I, I just see him leaving more than anything. Well, it's funny because I don't I don't and I and I understand where your point is where you know there's not a lot of not a lot of seats in the RCR affiliation right now for Ty Dillon. Um, and I understand what you're saying, but I think these kids, the Dillon boys, uh, take pride in running for their grandfather. I think they want to uh, run well in, this, in in RCR stuff. I think they want to bring RCR back to victory lane. Um, but you're right. You know, let's take let's do a little bit of brainstorming here for next season when you look at Richard Childress Racing uh, in their affiliated teams. Casey Mears in, locked into a long-term contract with that 13 team in Geico. Uh, AJ Allmendinger is the same deal with that 47 team, and they got RTR affiliation. So those two teams are out of the picture. Uh, the 95 team is an interesting team. I think that's definitely a team where I could see him going. Michael McDowell is a good driver. I think he's done a lot of decent things up in the Cup Series, especially in the play tracks. But ultimately, I think if Richard Childress is in control of that team, uh, and they're providing the engines and chassis, you'll see Ty go there. But here's the most interesting factor to this, and this is something that, I think would be a mistake on Richard Childress Racing's part, and I'll explain why. Uh, Ryan Newman's in his final year of his contract there. He has not renewed his contract. He expects to be there, there, but they haven't really ironed everything out there at Richard Childress Racing and Ryan Newman. Uh, And we're starting to get a little bit late in the silly season game. We've seen things, you know, develop uh, way earlier than this in years past. We're on August 1st now, so you have to kind of tidy up 2017 here within the next month, or you're going to be behind the game. And I think if, if Richard Childress Racing says we're going to go with Ty Dillon in the 31 over Ryan Newman, I think it's a mistake because of the fact that Newman has a great track record. Newman's a very good driver. He's won a lot of races in this series. He's run a lot of races in this series. You know where you are with Ryan Newman. And he's, he's you know, he's proven himself. Ty hasn't yet. And I understand he's a very good driver. He's a guy who uh, has a bright future ahead of him. But, you know, I, the way I look at it is, you know, you need a veteran presence over there as well where somebody might help these kids say, hey, this is what you can, you know, when these kids need to ask a question to an older driver, you know, are you going to go to your brother who's only been in the Cup Series four years or are you going to go to Ryan Newman who's been here 12, 15 years? Um, so, you know, I think if they go with Ty in the 31, I think that could be a mistake there for that team. But I think of, of all of them, I think the most likelihood we'll see him in is the 95 over there, which is just interesting, or a fourth car. Yeah, you could definitely run a fourth car. They won't have a charter there which could be an issue, but uh, definitely we could see him in a fourth car there like we see with Eric Jones going to potentially two furniture racing as well in the Toyota team. But, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on, on, on Ryan Newman? I mean, here's a guy who, um, like I said, he's at the end of his contract with Richard Childress Racing. If Newman doesn't re-sign with Richard Childress Racing, which I think will happen, but if he doesn't, let's play hypothetical here, Where where what options do you see him going to? Is there anything out there right now that is – shining like a light that, that's an obvious choice? Or do you have to do some some kind of thinking here and move some people around for Newman to get a big-time ride in Cup in 2017? Well, I personally totally agree with you when it comes to leaving Newman in 31 car. I don't see any reason to get rid of him besides wanting your grandson to move up to take over that ride. The biggest thing is there's sponsors there that go with Newman, you know, I was, I was, I'm still shocked that Quicken Loans decided to leave to go to Casey Kane. You know, that's just all money there. Casey's a bigger name with the fans of what Newman is. Newman's never been that 
that spotlight kind of driver, though, that people automatically say, oh, that's Ryan Newman there. A lot of fans still don't even recognize him. So when it comes down to all that, I was really shocked to see Quick Loans leave. But with all the other sponsors that they have there, Granger and Caterpillar and all that, I'm not saying they would leave Childers and follow Newman per se, but hypothetically they would stay. He has a lot of sponsors that would back him, and I think he could probably find any sponsor really to back him. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen him run a race where he didn't have a sponsor on his team, except for Haas on Mason, if you really want to count that, even though that's in-house there. But the obvious choice of where to go, there really isn't any. You would have to move people around. You know, I mean, hypothetically, you could say you could say uh, Penske in a third car, but you know, they really Rogers already said he really wants Ryan Blaney in that third car, the twelve car. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like Chris Bush are going around, it's going to happen eventually. Would it happen next year? I don't know. It all depends if all the places and people and sponsors fall into place. But the biggest thing you mentioned that I hadn't even thought about is a charter. There is no charter for that fourth RCR team. There is no charter for that twelve Penske car if Newman were to go over there. But Newman's right. also the rocket man. Rocket man. He'll probably get that car on the show anyway. But that's not the point, though. You still want that. Anything can happen. You still want that extra backing. But like you said, I don't think there's anywhere he could go right now if he were to say, I'm not coming back to RCR because there's too much going on behind the scenes. I'm going to go over here. There is nowhere out there. He would more than likely be stuck with multitude of sponsors at a team like Harry Scott Motorsports, who is, who is still going to be looking for a driver to replace Clint, Clint Boyer. They may or may not find right. one. Maybe Justin Allgaier brings Brandt back and they go back up there. Not, not, not that I say I see that happening, but it could happen. Brandt, Brandt Allgaier could, could want to come back up there, but there's nowhere for him to go. You know, they really need to keep him in that 31 car for not just sponsorship reasons, but you mentioned veteran leadership. I'm a big fan of having veteran leadership on a team. These young drivers need that veteran to talk to, to ask them how to drive these racetracks and how to drive them cars. It benefits them more than you think. Just ask the old-school Roush drivers, <laughs> Greg Biffle, Matt Kenseth, Kurt Busch, and Carl Edwards. You know, they all had help from Mark Martin. You can't tell me he didn't right. help them out to help them get to where they're at. Absolutely. And even Jeff Burton, when Jeff Burton was there, and even oh, Jeff yeah, Burton yeah. at RCR helping uh, Harvick there. So, listen, you're right. I mean, it's it's interesting, you know. Um, I like the veteran presence, but there's just not a whole lot of rides out there. And for Ryan Newman, you know, and I hate to speculate on this stuff because uh, we're getting into to speculation here, but, you know, Eric Amarola is in his final year of his contract, average or petty motorsports. And that could be a ride where, you know, I think Ryan Newman can get in there and do some good things there. Um, they have a big-time sponsor. I think Smithfield is committed to that team. I think they're kind of figuring out what they want to do, whether or not they want to be in a, in a combination deal with Roush, uh, whether they want to align with Penske, whether they want to align with Roush a little bit more, or whether they want to continue building their chassis in-house. Um, but, you know, Amarola's contract, according to Jayski, is up at the end of the year. So, hey, maybe that's where Newman goes. But it should be interesting to see uh, how this all plays out and something to keep an eye on as the silly season uh, moves along here as we get to 2017. Some other news that came out this weekend was Target. Um, obviously, it doesn't directly affect the NASCAR Spring Cup Series team right now, but it's something to keep to be curious on. That Target announced they are leaving Chip Ganassi Racing's Horizon IndyCar team at the end of the 2016 season. They've been paired together since 1989. Uh, with the Verizon IndyCar Series and Target. Um, And they have announced that 2016 will be their final year. Their contract with Kyle Larson and Chip Ganassi Racing with Felix Sabatis in the Sprint Cup Series runs out at the end of the 2017 season. And there were some comments by the head of Target there who 
they weren't very encouraging when asked about the future beyond 2017. I think his comments were something like, we're looking forward to the 2017 season with Kyle Larson, and basically that was it, you know. So that's not too encouraging if you're a Kyle Larson fan, but do you think uh, that they should be a little bit worried there, that Target backed out of the, of the IndyCar team? Do you think uh, possibly they could pull out of motorsports altogether, Ryan? Uh, and, and leave Larson and maybe uh, Chip Ganassi racing without sponsorship after 2017. Absolutely, that, that that was huge news to come out. This is this is a lot like the Dale Jr. concussion thing. It's not to be taken lightly, and I feel like it it has been taken lightly. That this is serious news here because Target is second behind Walmart and all the department store, uh, you know, uh, grocery store chains that they have. Walmart doesn't need to sponsor a race car to get people to come to their store. People already do that enough. Target could can still use a little bit of help for people to come to their stores. They're not they're not everywhere. They're not every ten minutes apart like Walmart is or anything like that. So have them and a twenty seven year deal with, with the same owner and with a multitude of drivers who have won multiple Indy five hundreds and championships and races for them. That's just huge. And the fact that they got one more year left in NASCAR, Target is a big big money sponsor. That that in my personal opinion affects Kyle Larson more than anybody. While it does really affect Ganassi. You know, Larson has been rumored to be leaving that team for, you know, at least two years now, and there's still a good chance that he will easily leave at the first ride he comes. I know Tony Stewart really wanted him for that 14 car, and those, you know, those plans did not work out, and they got Clint Boyer instead. I think if, if Kyle is looking at it as, hey, I don't have a full-time sponsor or a guaranteed ride now, what am I going to do? Am I going to stay there with a multitude of smaller-time sponsors, or maybe another big-name sponsor from another team comes over? You know, that's always a possibility. Or am mm-hmm. I going to leave and be like, look, I don't have a full-time sponsor to ride for me now. You can't afford it. I got this offer from uh, yeah. Team Penske to go drive a fourth team or a third team for him. And I got, and I got this sponsor lined up. I'm going over there. You know, I, th- I think yeah, Kyle Larson fans and Ganassi fans in general should be very worried right now. This is just this is way too big a news to take to be taken lightly. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's something to – I mean, it's not detrimental right now, but it's something to keep an eye on because I think when you look at it, you say – this is a company that was there 27 years. They're not having any. It's not like they're they filed bankruptcy and they're saying, "Well, we you know we have to get out." They're getting out sort of because they want to get out. And man, you know, if like you said, if Larson looks at that and says, "Man, 2017 is my contract's up after 2017 with Target. Um, I'm getting offers from you know, I'm getting my arm pulled here. I'm getting my arm pulled there. I might have to go there because they don't have you know, we'll still have." Uh, a, a team here because they'll still the charter. They got Rod Kaufman over there, so they'll still be okay uh, financially. But you know, a sponsor is a great benefit to have, obviously. Um, and you know, if for Chip Ganassi, as far as that's concerned, they don't really have this shining young kid. Brendan Poole's done a nice job in that. In that, I thought he ran really good this weekend at Iowa uh, in that uh, 48 car for Chip Ganassi racing. But they don't have that really young superstar just yet. Maybe Poole will turn into that. Um, but they don't have them to come to Cup yet. Uh, so if if Larson leaves, then you got to figure out who fills that seat. So there's a lot to go on here. Um, and it, it, it's a tough situation because Target, like we said, it, it's a it's a sponsor that's been with Ganassi forever. So it's a little scary to be um, if you're a Larson fan. I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was kind of interesting news here and something that's, as we get along here in 20, you know, next year, um, keep an eye on that. That target could potentially be out. And it's another, you know, I always say there's always a sponsor out there who never who said they weren't never coming back to NASCAR, um, and that's Aaron. So, we'll, you know, who knows where they'll be in a couple of years. Maybe they'll have their eye on Larson and go there. But 
a lot of a lot of interesting stuff there with Target. Uh, Ryan, last nine minutes of the show, um, we did this the last couple of weeks. I want to do it again. A quick update on Dale Earnhardt Jr., most popular driver in the sport, and this is his third race this weekend um, at Pocono Raceway due to concussion-like symptoms. Was on his Dirty Mo Radio show this afternoon and basically said not a whole lot has changed with his status. Um, and I believe Jeff Gordon, who came out and said earlier this week that he's he got Hendrick Motorsports subbing for Dale Jr. quote as long as they need me. Um, so I think he'll be in the car at Watkins Glen. They haven't officially announced that yet. Dale goes to the doctors tomorrow to kind of get a, an evaluation. And the fact that not a whole lot has changed makes me a little worried here as far as how long it's going to take for Junior to get back. Um, and, you know, this is a very serious injury. It was something that I think a lot of fans thought were serious, but now I think a lot of fans are, are even looking at it right now as a little bit more concerned because I don't think everybody thought he was going to miss more than four weeks, you know, and if he misses Bristol, I think fans are going to think, well, well, this is big-time, big-time problem because, you know, we had an off weekend. Now we're getting into serious time miss and uh, something that I don't think a lot of people saw. So um, what do you think about this whole Dale Jr. situation here? Uh, with the news that really the news that nothing there is no news as far as Dylan Hart Jr.'s status is concerned um, this week. I am extremely concerned with it because I thought by now, like you mentioned, he would be back. And and like I brought up a, a, a few minutes ago, people were not taking this as serious as what they should. They were like, he'll be back in a couple of weeks. So it's, it's only junior. He'll be all right. It's like. It's like, yeah, he he might be junior, but he's a human being just like you and I and like any other fan out there. He's no different than the rest of us. He just drives race cars and makes millions of dollars for a living. But he but he also takes really hard hits, and it's not easy being a race car driver. You know, you can look back in the past and see all the drivers affected by concussions or head injuries in general. Some really big names. You got Leroy Yarbrough. He's one. He's one of the big ones there. Bobby Isaac, Jeff Ernie Irvin. All of them guys were affected by hardcore head injuries. And their, their careers yeah. were really cut short. And, and, and some bad ways, you know, Richie Evans is another big one. You know, all of those guys had it. People keep forgetting that John West Townley has had, was also in the same situation. But because he wasn't junior, no one even thought about him. But he's now coming back. He finally made his return. And he unfortunately, he, he wrecked in that race, too. So hopefully he's not any more serious than what he was before. But with him missing Watkins going, too, you know, I know if I'm, if I'm a fan, junior is not very good at road courses anyway. So if he's missing Watkins going, you know, I'm not going to say it's not that big of a deal, but it's compared to, to Bristol or Pocono, it's not that big of a, of a race. So it's just like, whoa, well, you can leave Jeff in that car. Jeff's pretty good at it. But come Bristol, if Junior's not back by Bristol, fans, I think, are going to finally realize how serious this head injury concussion really is, and they're going to be taking it seriously. And that's the biggest thing that has bothered me. Every time I see a, a post about it, I'm seeing people that are not taking it seriously, and I'm like, this is this is big. This is a big deal here, man. I mean, yeah. this is going to affect everything because if he can, let's say hypothetically, you know, we don't want to get into too much speculation, but let's say hypothetically he can't come back next year because his head 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 injuries are, uh, you know, are going, to, are going to keep him from coming back. Who takes that ride? Yeah. Do the sponsors say? Do they leave? I mean, you know, that's you you could talk a whole hour or so about about any possibility <laughs> for that. And no one, no one's thought about that. They keep thinking it's going to be right back the next week. It's like it, it's not that simple, and it doesn't look too good no. right now. I'm, I'm very concerned You're about right. it, and I think every fan out there needs to take it very seriously. You're right, and it's scary. I think, you know, even me, Ryan, I'm not afraid to admit. I thought when he initially announced this, it was like, okay, well, you know, it's a concussion. He's going to miss a lot of time. I thought maybe, well, he'll miss Watkins Glen because there's a lot of left and right turns there, uh, and you know, I think that's going to be a problem with his head moving left to right there. So. 
you know, but I think he'll be back at Bristol. And you know, the fact that he came out this weekend and said what he said, it makes you concerned. Say, man, maybe he'll miss Bristol. Maybe he'll miss Michigan. And then you have to wonder if he'll be back at Darlington, you know. And then you have to sit there and say, well, does it make sense for him to come back in any time at all this year if he's not even going to make the, run this chase? Just let Jeff kind of finish out the year in that 88 car and have Dale start fresh in 2017 and, and rest it and, and his head in a lot better spot than what it is when it would be if he started in September of, of, of 2016. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, I kind of laugh, not laugh, but I kind of scoffed the op, that the, at the, uh, the fact that Junior could miss the entire rest of the year. I kind of thought, well, no way, not, that's not going to happen. But it could be a very real possibility, and it's sad. It's a sad situation to be in. I feel awful for him. Uh, it, you know, the, the symptoms he's describing, it, it can't be great feeling, you know, that he's feeling awful. You know, basically every other day he feels awful, and, and just, you know, if you haven't had time to listen, he explains all his symptoms in his 30 more radio podcast, but uh, it stinks. You know, it's got to stink for him. It's got to stink for him being outside the car. And, uh, you know, I just hope he gets better, for, you know, for his friends and everything. I hope he gets better. And for himself, I hope he gets better. And, and that's the most number one important thing is getting his health right, not worrying about being in a race car uh, for the rest of 2016. you got to get your health right before he can even think about getting in a race car. Okay, last three minutes of the show here. We'll uh, talk about Watkins Glen. Watkins Glen coming up next weekend. Uh, interesting weekend based on the fact that you look at it and you say, well, Busher won a Pocono. He might be in the chase. And there's a couple other guys who you look at and say, well, at least one guy who really stands out who could win at a road course race and get himself not locked into the chase and really kind of screw up the chase format even more, and that's A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, as we get ready to walk into Glen, here's a great road course racer. He's much better at walking into Glen than he is at Sonoma. But uh, real quick here, we got about two minutes to go. Uh, what are your thoughts here as, as we move to walk into Glen next week? Uh, who are your favorites, and who do you think is going to do well? I'm very excited for Watkins Glen, especially with the new pavement. There are a lot of drivers saying it's much faster now, especially after seeing Brad uh, Keselowski's wreck that he had there, too. So, I mean, uh, there's, it's hard to say who the favorite who the favorites can be, but I definitely have A.J. Omdinger on my radar. I definitely have both Penske drivers on my radar when it comes down to here. And I also don't want to forget about Kevin Harvick. You know, he's going to be really good there, too. And when you look at other dark horses, too, you know, you look at uh, – you look at Jeff Gordon. I mean, I mean, if he if he if they announce that he'll come back, you know, race Watkins win place of junior, he should definitely be someone to consider. And so should Jimmy McMurray. He is also another underrated road course racer, in my opinion. And other than that, Absolutely. though, I don't really have any other people that are for sure favorites when it comes that jump out at me automatically. I feel like the the two rookies. You know, I say two, and there's really more. But Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott will struggle. Casey Kane is not as uh, he's a pretty decent road course racer, and if, it, if he can have a good day, he'll, he'll be a good dark horse pick. You know, Jimmy Johnson is okay at road courses. You know, some of those big name guys are not exactly great road course drivers, but they can get you a top ten. But those are the drivers that really pop out to me. Absolutely, I, I agree with you about uh, McMurray for sure. I think you know it's going to be very interesting with the race because Amadeo came out today. If you watched any of the pre race coverage today, he said that. You know, it's basically going to be a great equalizer. It's not going to be uh, as, as you know, it could be, you could, you know, not going to slip and slide as much as the FCC and stuff in the past. So the, the pavement could be a, a phenomenal equalizer there, and, and that could change a whole lot of things up and, and put a lot of strategy, and I'm not sure we're going to see a whole lot of passing. He said the tire for that Goodyear brought was very, very hard, so that could mean a lot of single-file racing there, and strategy would be a bigger player than anything at Watkins Glen. 
I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Ryan Beckner, I want to thank you so much for being the co-host today. I thought you did a great job. Short notice, so I appreciate that. Um, you know, we've had a, a kind of a tough week here on Talking Circles. It, it, we weren't able to kind of get the show scheduled the way we wanted to due to our circumstances out of our control. So I want to thank everybody for listening and Ryan for co-hosting. We'll see you next time, Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.